turn in the Gospel of John to John chapter 13. In fact, where, where, where Jesus washed the disciples' feet. And maybe we'll look at later and see, you know, some of the some of the lessons that are in this chapter. But for now, let's just read verse um, three. Jesus, knowing that the Father had given all things into His hands, and that He was come from God, and went back to God. And that describes you as well. You came from God. In the Gospel of John, chapter 1 and verse 9, it says that he lights every spirit that comes into the world. So he, he destined you, we know this from Ephesians 1 and verse 4, that he chose you in him from before the foundation of the world, so you weren't anybody's accident. You know, some illegitimate thing happened, no. You were ordained to be on the planet at this time, and you came from God and you'll be going back to God. And so when you get a revelation that, when you understand that, it'll cause you to live on purpose. And so you you won't be living need-minded, you'll be living kingdom-minded. Your mind will be on my purpose in, in being here. And so and once you discover your purpose and you begin to pursue that, you'll never know lack ever again because the purpose has provision. Lots of times people show up for a paycheck, but they haven't worked all week. And so, <laughs> you know, but my purpose, I know, I know my purpose, you know, in, in general terms is talking about Jesus for this purpose was the Son of God manifest to destroy the works of the evil one. So I, I could say that that's my purpose, too, because I'm a child of his. And so, but, but I also have a very specific purpose. And when I discover my purpose, I don't work another day in my life. Whatever I do is to advance. Whatever I do, my motivation is advancing the kingdom of God. And so, and when I begin to do that, I'm not need-minded anymore. I, I become seed-minded. I'm looking for a way to advance the kingdom. It's like, again, with tithes and offerings, when you understand that he's not trying to get something from you, he's trying to get something to you, that he's trying to multiply your seed sown, it changes everything. Now I'm not thinking division, I'm not thinking subtraction. I'm thinking God wants to bless me, and this is the vehicle that he has chosen. And then I can release my faith in it, because everything has to work by faith. I mean, I can't see an altar here. I see a carpet and a couple of steps. But in the realm of the Spirit, it's an altar before the presence of God. You can't see the angels that are in this room, but there's at least one for every one of you. It can get pretty crowded in here sometimes. And when you worship him in that way, they join you. We've heard them before. Not, I don't know if we've heard them since we've been in this building, but we certainly heard them over in 110 Thorn Avenue on numerous occasions. That the, 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 the worship and the praise was much bigger than what was being produced in the building. It was like we were joined by the presence of God. Why? Because he inhabits... Well, I don't see him. I don't feel him. I tell you, you get close enough. When he gets on, you'll know he's there. You can't come in the presence of God and not know that you did. So if you didn't yet, don't leave. Again, 
3.12, access, boldness, confidence. I can get as close to God as I want to. And in his presence is fullness of joy, and at his right hand, pleasures forevermore. And then if, uh, 2 Corinthians 3.18 says, that's how I'm changed. I'm not changed by a religious set of rules or trying to do some things and not do other things. I'm changed by being in his presence. If you see somebody that needs a change, throw them into the presence of God. I don't know. <laughs> throw them under that bus. Hallelujah. <laughs> so so um, finding your purpose for being on the planet is key, isn't it? Like so many people live from paycheck to paycheck, week to week, one need to another need, you know, trying to get your needs met and, and uh, you know, and all of that, and just, just trying to get by. But when you get a hold of your, your destiny, when you find out your purpose, when you begin to pursue that purpose, everything, everything in your life will change. And it changes anyway as soon as you find out that God loves you. As soon as you get a hold of a verse like that, as soon as you get a, a hold of Colossians chapter 1, verses 20, 21, 22, talking about, you know, how that, that you're, you're, well, maybe we should look at that. I'm, I don't have, I had a plan, but it gets changed all the time. Put up Colossians chapter 1, and um, how about verse 20? How about verse 19? For it pleased the Father that to him should all the fullness of dwell, and having made peace, having made peace, ease instead of dis-ease, contentment instead of discontentment, health instead of all of the other stuff. Anyway, so, and having made peace, how? Through the blood of his cross, which is also the blood of his resurrection, right? By him to reconcile, reconcile all things unto himself. By him, I say, whether they things on earth or things in heaven. And you that were sometimes alienated and enemies in your mind to, by, by wicked works, yet he hath now reconciled you. Now let's go to Ecclesiastes chapter 3. Reconciled. You've been reconciled. <laughs> you a bunch of reconcilers. No, lots of times we think we have a need, but we don't. Everything's been done. Ephesians 1, 3, again, he's already blessed you with all the spiritual blessings in the heavenly in Christ. I've already got it. What I'm trying to get, I already got. Lots of times I'm wasting my prayer life talking about things that, I've already, that I already have. He even said, if I had a mountain, something that was there a long time, if I keep talking to it, man. Uh, well, let's, let's forget Ephesians for Ecclesiastes for right now. Let's go to Isaiah somewhere. It's either 41 or 43. Notice these things come up. It's because you need to know these things. And if you know them, you need to be reminded. And I have to find these. Okay. I'm just going to read uh, chapter 41. Um, Beginning in verse 10, fear not, I am with you. Be not dismayed. Why? I'm your God. I will strengthen you. I will help you. 
I will uphold you with the right hand of my righteousness. All those that are incensed against you shall be ashamed and confounded. They shall be as nothing, as zero, a thing of naught. You'll seek them and not find them. In the King James, it says, those that contend with you, those that war against you will be as nothing, a thing of naught. How many of you know what a thing of naught is? So your problems are being eradicated while you're, while you're praising God in his house, things are being changed at your house. No, 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 things are. He's saying, fear not, I'll hold your right hand. I'll, I'll help you. He said, I am your redeemer, the holy one of Israel. Verse, verse 15 is where I want to get. Behold, I will make unto you. I'll make you into. No, you talk about, we, we always quote Mark 11, 23 and 24. Whosoever will say to this mountain, be thou removed and cast into sea. Don't dote in his heart, but believe the things he'll say to come to pass. He can have whatever he says. And so, but lots of times we'll speak and things don't, like Jesus spoke to the fig tree and it didn't change overnight. Actually, it did. <laughs> but it didn't die right away. No, but I mean, we're talking about, you know, we're talking about him. And now you're in his image and in his likeness. But look at, the, look at what it says here. It says, I'll make you into a new sharp threshing instrument, having teeth. But, but to me, this sounds like a process. He says, you'll take the mountains and beat them small. You'll turn the hills into chaff and the wind will carry them away and a whirlwind will scatter them and they'll be gone from your life. But then a little later on here, he says, and I will open up unto you the high places. I will open up rivers in the high places and they'll run into your low places. He said, I'll run the anointing into dry places in your life and, and, and so that you'll be well watered. And so what he's trying to tell you here is all you need to do is what he said in Jeremiah 1.12. You know, he watches over his word to perform it. Just keep speaking the word of God, speaking the word of God, and things are changing. The mountain might still look like it's there tomorrow, like the fig tree looked fine that night, but it dried up from the roots, and that's significant to us because it lets us know that you can't see. The roots are in the unseen, and it started there. And so why he taught us that lesson was so that we would understand that when I speak it, I not, won't necessarily see it up here in the natural realm for a while, but if I keep talking it, it's drying up from the roots. If you've got a health issue, it's drying up from the roots. If you've got a financial problem, it's drying up from the roots. Why? Because God is for you, and who can be against you? He loves you. He meets you at the mercy seat. Come on. He said, take my yoke upon you and learn about me. What will I learn first? I came to wash your feet. I'm meek and lowly and humble. I came to serve you so that you would learn to serve one another, so that you wouldn't get all wrapped up in yourself, but you would realize my mission here on earth is to be a blessing to other people. Abraham, Genesis 12, 1. Abraham, I'm going to bless you so that you can be a blessing, so that all the nations of the earth will be blessed by you. And so Galatians 3.29, if any man be in Christ, he's Abraham's seed. And there's that same promise. It's not just about a promise of financial blessing. It's a promise that I'll be a blessing to some other people. That my life, at the end of my life, they won't say, they won't say here lies all stingy. But they'll say he made a difference in somebody's life. 
His life counted for something because it wasn't self-consumed, right? So that's a, that's a lesson for sure, too. But now I'm trying to get to Ecclesiastes. Lord, I have my message, too, okay? <laughs> well, I got it from him as well, so come on. Ephesians chapter 3 and verse 1. To everything, there is a purpose. There's a time and there's a purpose. There's a time and there's a purpose to everything. And the church is moving into a supernatural season, so that's, this is the time for that to take place. And in the world, you would never know it. You'd never believe anything in the natural. You'd never believe anything good could ever happen. 2020 people want to write it off, but it's 2020 vision. It's, it brings clarity to what's really going on. And again, I like to point out it's not Democrat or Republican. It's, it's Satan and God. How many of you know who wins? Yeah. Yeah. People tearing one another up. That's not the way the church operates, though, by the way, so. So, so he says, it's a supernatural season. And for us, it's a time to receive forgiveness. It's time to give forgiveness so that I owe no man nothing but to love him. I don't have anything against anybody. We love America 11, 23, and 24. But 25 says, if you have audio against anybody, get it right. If anybody can get it right, it's the body of Christ. We can, we, 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 we can love one another. We, the love of God has been shed out of our, in our hearts by the Holy Ghost. And so for me, the season for me is complete surrender. That's my season. I, 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 I called it in my own way, I called it the Elisha factor because I was thinking about Elisha when I was meditating some of these things. And we found out that Elisha had great prosperity. He was plowing with 12 yoke of oxen. He had, he had like he had it going on. He was a very wealthy man. And, and the mantle of Elijah landed on him, and Elijah said, follow me. And he had to, he had to abandon his way of making a living, just like the disciples. You know, when Jesus came to the disciples, they were, had lucrative fishing businesses, and he, he, he had them follow him. But Elisha, the thing I liked about Elisha is he, he left um, not knowing what to expect, but he, he had the, the heart of, if I, if I could say that, he had a heart like Jesus in that he, he was only there to serve. Matter of fact, the Bible says he poured water on the hands of Elijah. That was, can you imagine being known? Now, this is a guy of, of you know, a high position that, that just like Jesus came down. And so he came and he served that man. And then he followed him. Even when he tried to, even when Elijah tried to get rid of him, said, "I'm going to Bethel. You, you know, go home." And then he tried. He went to Jericho. Go home. And then he came with Jordan. He said, "Go home." He said, "No, I'm not going to leave you." And and of course, even when he caught the mantle, and and to me, that mantle is what Jesus threw on the church. It's the baptism of the Holy Spirit, because you know he said, "If you see me," he said, "Elisha, if you'll see me when I go." Uh, you'll get that double portion that you were after. And in John 14, 12, my, my Bible says, your Bible says, that we received the double from him. He said, you'll do double what, the, what was happening 
And I think that big double is we get to lead people to the Lord. You know, he said, these works were you doing greater works. What's greater? I mean, he raised the dead. What's greater than that? Leading somebody to Jesus. So maybe being greater is just being a friend to somebody that doesn't have one right now. <laughs> you know, like maybe being a friend is just forgetting about myself and going and being a blessing to, to somebody. But anyway, Elisha had that. But then the, the coolest thing about Elisha, I'm going everywhere preaching the gospel today. <laughs> the, the cool thing about Elisha is he, when he came back to the Jordan River with the mantle and, and, and hit the river in part, he said, where is the God of Elijah? He didn't say, now it's time for me to start my power ministry. <laughs> he didn't say that. I'm here now to do the double blessing. Hallelujah. Stayed humble. Stayed humble. Because real humility, I, I believe that when you get to heaven, you'll be sitting at a table and King David will come over with a, with, a, with a towel over his arm and be your waiter. Because that's the mindset of the kingdom of God, right? Anyway, Ephesians chapter 3. There is a purpose. The definition for purpose is the action the proper function for which a person or thing exists. The action, the proper function for which a person or a thing exists. You've seen that in the entertainment world. People with an anointing to lead praise and worship consumed it on themselves, made a lot of money and ended up dying of a drug overdose and crazy, crazy stuff because they didn't hook up with their purpose. I'm not saying there's anything wrong with people being in the entertainment business either and singing secular songs. I'm not saying that. Some people that do that are a blessing to humans. Depending on, it's about the lyrics and all of those kind of things. But the giftings that you've seen come and go over the planet. And then, then you go by a graveyard and you think there's a place of broken dreams. There's a place where they had so much potential and didn't know. Never found out why they were here. Never found out why. What a tragedy. So purpose is the action, the proper function for which a person or a thing exists. A proper fit. A duty. A mission. And what I've noticed in my own life is the beginning and the end of every season is a test. Coming to this building was a test. Still being tested. <laughs> no, I think I've passed. But I really do. But when you know your God-given purpose, you won't make decisions based on immediate needs. And when I look back over our ministry time, I realized that there was a couple of years that we totally got away from faith. We became need-minded and not seed-minded. And we, and we didn't operate the way that we had normally operated. We allowed ourselves to count dollars and cents and um, work out budgets. And, oh, man, when it was finally over, we're still shredding paper from that deal. <laughs> we had so many meetings. that Alcoholics don't have meetings, as many meetings as we had every week. <laughs> Hallelujah. And there was always strategic initiatives and ah, ah, ah. 
Hallelujah. There'll never be another one. I promise you that. In the name of Jesus, somebody comes to me talking about a meeting, I'm going to knuckle bump them and pray for forgiveness. No, but my purpose, when you get back to your purpose, your purpose is to advance the kingdom of God. And when you think about over Romans 8, can we go to Romans 8? You already know where Romans 8 is. Verse 14 says, as many as are led by the Spirit of God, they're what? So when I'm, so I'm a child of God right now, but when I learn how to be led by his Spirit, I become a son or a daughter. It's, again, it's weos, and it means somebody, weos, it means, uh, it means um, the one that's ready to receive the full inheritance. It's the one that's mature. It's the one, you know, it's not a technon anymore. It's not an apios or all of the other words that are used for child and son. He's the weos. He's the, the one that's ready for the double portion inheritance. And when you're led by the Spirit of God, that's you. And it, it, and, and it can happen. You can be saved for 30 years and never get there. Or you can be saved for six months and you can go there. But why? Because nobody can get closer to God than you can. Nobody has that. Nobody's, there's no one ahead of you in the line. It, 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 you don't have to wait. You can press into him anytime, anywhere. And the more you press in, the more we'll know because we'll see. We'll see the peace and joy in the Holy Ghost on your face. We can tell when you're spending time doing the other things because, because it shows up as well. Your continence, you know, it's amazing what you, you can read in people's faces. I run into backsliders every now and again, and I'm thinking... Oh, Lord, what happened to them? The light is just barely flickering in their face. Now, unsaved people, you can tell right away because there's no light. But when you're into somebody's backslidden for a while, it's like, wow, you're dim-witted. No, you just... <laughs> you dim-witted? No, you don't, you don't do that. You don't, you don't do that. Because we love people. Amen. But Romans eight fourteen, As many as are led, Spirit of God. Sons of God. And you know, life, your life will really begin when you f- discover your purpose. I was watching Rick Renner the other day, if you don't know him, he's a, an amazing Bible teacher. And he was talking about his ministry. He, he left his nice home in Tulsa, Oklahoma, and went to Riga in the former Soviet Union and left a really nice home to live in a place where the Toilet wouldn't flush, and the plumbing was bad, and and they had brown notes all the time, like you, you and I experienced in the Philippines. What's a brown note? It's just whenever they feel they shut the power off, they do. <laughs> no, in the in the Soviet Union, they shut your heat off at a certain time of the year and turn it back on at another time. You have no say on that, and it's central heating. It comes from you know somewhere down the road, and and if they don't want to turn your heat on, you sit there and shiver, and, and going in the apartments. Uh, there'd be no light bulbs in the hall because if you need the light bulb, you go in the hall and get one. And, and so you're always in the dark and it's like, like you can see what socialism really looks like. Go there, you know, go there. But what was my point? <laughs> Ran right away with that one. Oh yeah. So Rick Renner. So he's, he, he's already in, in Tulsa. He already had three best selling books, seducing spirits and doctrines of devils, Dressed to kill, and I forget the other one. He said when he got on that plane and began to fly to, to Riga, he heard the Lord say, now, is your, now your ministry is about to begin. 
And so some of you are going to hear that over the next little while. Your ministry is about to begin, and you're thinking, yeah, but wait, I've done this, that, and the other thing. No, no, there's something. This is a supernatural season that we're moving into, and supernatural things are going to happen. Look, I can't even tell you. I had a dream the other night, and it was crazy, and uh, Caleb was walking on the water. Yeah, yeah. And, and we were talking, we were saying, well, that's nothing. Now, they're, now we're getting ready to, to talk about some of the Bible things that were going on in the church. And you might think it's crazy. Look, you saw what the enemy did since March on the whole planet. You don't think that God is going to be outdone by a defeated fallen angel, do you? Like, I don't know everything that's going to happen, but I am anticipating... Uh, my, 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 my spider senses are tingling. Yeah. <laughs> Hallelujah. So again, your life is, you, you know, for some of you, your life is about to start. <laughs> you might say, well, I'm this age. No, it's got nothing to do with age. Ask Moses. Moses at 80 years old. You know, 80 years old and totally back, backslidden. When you're on the backside of the desert, I'd call that backslidden, wouldn't you? Backside. Yeah. And he sees a bush on fire. It's not unusual in the desert. They ignite. They get so dry, there's poof. But this one wasn't consumed. Because God had a word for him. And God turned him. When he thought his life was over, when he thought the vision was done, God fired him up. <laughs> poof. He said, now, you're the bush. That will not be consumed. I'm going to send you in front of Pharaoh and you're going to burn right in front of him. Scorch his eyebrows right off, man. I'm telling you right now. Yeah. So the kingdom advances, you know, look at verse 19. It says that all of creation is waiting for a manifestation of the sons of God. They're not waiting for the election in the States. They're not waiting for the election in Canada. They're wait, they don't even know what they're waiting for. They're waiting for a manifestation of the sons of God. And, uh, and, and that's what's next on the calendar, Habakkuk 2.14. Come on. It says, you know, as surely as he lives, the knowledge of the glory, the, the revelation knowledge of the glory of the Lord will cover the earth, even as Noah's waters covered the sea. So there is a revelation knowledge coming, and it's coming through you. He's not going to display his glory after the church is gone. He said, I'm coming back for a glorious church without spot, without wrinkle, washed in the blood of the lamb. He's coming for that church. And, he's, and, he's, and, he, and he is going to make some changes in you and through you. And the faster you cooperate, the better it will be. <laughs> because it's going to happen anyway. And so there might as well be footprints in the stand and not drag marks and bum prints. <laughs> Bum prints, that's where he threw me forward. <laughs> Bum prints in the sand. <laughs> Hallelujah. <laughs> I like that little poem, but I just don't believe it. I know there was drag marks in everybody's life. Footprints in the sand, just walking with Jesus. Yeah, right on. <laughs> Maybe on a Sunday morning when you're all looking sweet, but I saw the drag marks there on Wednesday. Okay. So the kingdom advances by me fulfilling my purpose, not by supplying my needs. 
His kingdom will advance when I'm fulfilling my purpose, not trying to supply my needs. Neglecting kingdom, I wrote this down, neglecting kingdom business will keep me busy supplying my own lack. Because Why is the lack there? Because I'm not doing what I'm supposed to be doing. And so the lack persists. And we know we need to go to Matthew chapter 6 to look at this, right? I like verse 22. The light of the body is the eye. And then, therefore, if the eye is focused or single, it says in the King James, your whole body is filled with light. But if your eye is evil, and then, you know, again, you read the evil. I like the word wicked where you get twisted furniture, wicker furniture and things like that. It means your thought life isn't correct. That's why Romans 12, 2, he said, renew your mind by the word of God. Why would he tell you to renew your mind if you had it all figured out? Huh? I don't need to renew my mind. I already know. Come on, there's people out there that believe in reincarnation. Educated people. Educated people. I said, may you come back as a duck. <laughs> no, those crazy, though. It's the crazy people. They believe in evolution. It takes more faith to believe in evolution than it ever did to believe the word of God. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Well, I can get that. But I'm still wondering where the missing link is. I thought I was that for a while. You know, in evolution, the evolutionary chain, I thought some of my friends might have qualified. <laughs> but, but <laughs> Here comes the knuckle-dragon Neanderthal from the world gym in Halifax. I, you know. <laughs> but, you know, like it, but it's so ridiculous, isn't it? When you, it's just absurd. They're still asking what came first, the chicken or the egg? You knucklehead. <laughs> An egg rolled up on the beach out of your primal soup, of course. <laughs> Makes perfect sense to me because it was a gazillion years ago. If it had been a million years ago, I might not believe it, but, you know. And then I can see the layers. So, yeah, the layers, yeah. Okay, so verse 22, it says, keep your eyes single, stay focused. Verse 24, but again, you understand no man can serve two masters. He'll hate the one and love the other. He'll hold to one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and money. But I get it. I get it. I understand. I can't be focused on money and advancing the kingdom of God at the same time. If I'm focused on advancing the kingdom of God, the money will follow up. He told me in Deuteronomy 28 that these blessings would come upon me and overtake me. So, but, but, you know, but, you know, but if I'm, it's kind of like I'm, I'm saying, God, I'm not interested in your promises. I'm interested in your presence. I want your presence. The promises are already there. They're guaranteed in the blood of Jesus. I don't need to chase the promises. I want to be with the promise keeper. I want to be with the promise maker. I want, I, I, you know, and again, that's Proverbs chapter 3. You know, you, you're, you're, you're trusting in him with all of your heart, not leaning on your old way, your own way of doing things. He said, therefore, I say unto you, take no thought for your life. But you know what? Most of the church, most of the world lives right here. He says, take no thought for your life. And, 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 that's, where the, and that's where the church is. I, you know, I, I, I need more money. I need more of this. I need more of that. And, and I'm going to have to do this, and I'm going to have to get another job to take care of that. 
And as long as you have to go and get that other job and you have to take care of that, have fun. Because you'll be doing it forever. It's not until you make the break and say, I'm not doing this anymore. I'm going to be led by the Spirit of God. Bless God, I am being led by the Spirit of God. And he will, he told me in Philippians 4.19, he will supply all of my needs according to his riches. According not to my ability to make money, but according to his riches in glory. And it's not out of his riches in glory. It's everything that he has belongs to me. How do I know that? Because Romans 8.17 says, I'm an heir of God and a joint heir with Jesus Christ. Psalm 24 says, the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. One of the Psalms says, he owns the cattle on a thousand hills, the taters under them. He said, I own all the, all the, all, all of the animals in the wilderness, they're all mine. In, in the Haggai 2.8, he says, the gold and the silver are mine. And he's telling me I'm a joint heir. He's telling me in Ephesians 1.3 that he's already blessed me with all those blessings. And so I apprehend those the same way I do anything else by faith. I believe I receive, or I can continue working. And again, I'm, 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 you understand, Bible says you don't work, you don't eat. So don't, I'm not going, trying to lead anybody into the ditch with that. I'm talking about what's your motivation? Is me getting the latest new model of a car more important than advancing the kingdom of God? Then if it is, I, may, I need to make some adjustments. I need to... Like the early church, I'm amazed when I read the early church in Acts chapter 4. It says that there was none among them that lacked. And then it said, and they all had everything in common. You mean to tell me we can get to that level of love that, that, that we'll let go of our money? <laughs> well, don't go to that church. You always talk about money. Yeah, I understand. That's why you get stiffened up because you're talking, we're talking about money. But Malachi 3.7 says that I'm to return to the Lord. And the first thing that he talks to me about me returning is tithes and offerings. Tithes and offerings have a voice, Acts chapter 10. Hallelujah. Anyway, Hmm. we're going everywhere again, aren't we? Yes, yes. But most people live in this stage of their lives, just trying to get your needs met. Just trying to get enough to, to get to the end of the month. And how do you get out of it? Look, look to set you free to, so that you don't think. First of all, if you give money here, you didn't give it to New Covenant Ministries Church. You gave it to God. And if we do something wrong with it, you know, God knows how to pick us up and shake us. And, <laughs> but, 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 you know, like I remember one time telling this girl that she was just really trying off. I said, look. Don't give the money here. Here's a ministry that gets audited and public, you know, public information on every year. Send it there. I said, give, give, it, give God a three-month trial. And if you're not happy at the end of th- three months, we'll give you your miserable life back. Because right now you're in misery. Matter of fact, I said, you just give enough to make yourself angry. <laughs> no, no, I'm like, what did I do that for? But no, but how do I know I'm advancing the kingdom? If I can go, like I use this woman illustration because it's real to me. Women will go and get their fingernails done and their toenails done. I think some of us men should show up there one day and we can let them know what it's really like when Jesus washed the disciples' feet. What do you think? Come on, men's feet are ugly, man. That toe's not supposed to be longer than the big toe. What is that? 
That's weird. <laughs> no, but listen to what he's saying. You, you got to get, he's, again, he's not trying to get, he's trying to give you the kingdom. Righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Ghost. He's trying to get it over to you. And so he says, look at this. He said, uh, take no thought for your life, what you shall eat, what you shall drink, what you wear in your body. Is not life more than meat and the body more than raiment? Behold the fowls of the air. And again, we, we behold the fowls of the air every morning at our house. We've got 20 to 30 doves that show up there every morning. And now they will even fly right up to the window. Nancy. They do. They they come right up to the window now. It took a while, but now they're they're they're. Hey, we're supposed to have our bird food out here now, and and, and it, like it's getting late. They do. You ought to see it. It's amazing. First the doves, and then the blue jays. The blue jays fly right up right up in front of the window. Hey, where's the seeds, man? And I said, well, the Heavenly Father should feed you, but Nancy will do it this morning. <laughs> so he says, you never see the birds on strike picketing because things didn't go well. Things. He said, he said the, the, the field, I mean, right now at harvest time, that big harvest moon last night, and the leaves everywhere. And did you know that, that what you see in the trees now in those leaves, that is their natural color? That up until now, they've been going through photosynthesis. <laughs> Once you go through photosynthesis, <laughs> that's what happens next. They're full color shows. Now, to me, that's another sermon. That at the last day, the glory, I'm coming back for a glorious church without spot or wrinkle. The church has been in metamorphosis for 2,000 years, and your glory is about to show up. People would be driving along saying, oh, look at that. Amen. Amen to that. So don't live your life in this place. Live your life over here. Live in purpose because to live in purpose is to live in power. He said, seek first. Come on. Seek first. When is that? That's every day too. That's before Facebook. Or is it seek first Facebook and then I don't know. Find out what the latest is. Seek first the kingdom of God. So the kingdom versus need. Mm. So now I'm not going to prosper because I'm need-minded. I'm going to prosper because I'm kingdom-minded. Seek first the kingdom of God and his way of doing things, his righteousness. And all of these things, the things that you've been seeking will catch up with you. The things that you need, everything that you need to get the job done, God already placed it down on the inside of you anyway. All it needs to be done is called up. Hallelujah. Brought up in Jesus' name. So, um, okay, just give, me one, just give me a couple more minutes. Let's go back to um, John chapter John chapter 13. Verse 3 again, Jesus knowing that the Father had given all things into his hand. Now you need to know that too. You need to do that too. Read Psalm chapter 8 and realize that you have a place there. 
Can we go there just for a second? Because you might not look when you go home. <laughs> just a second, Psalm 8, that's all. New Bibles, the pages are all stuck together. But if your pages are still stuck together and you had the Bible for 20 years, uh, I suggest you might want to check in a little lot more often. Okay. An angel was asking this question. Verse 4, Psalm 8, verse 4. What is a man that you are mindful of him, or the son of a man that you, that you visit him? For you made him a little lower than angels. That word angels is Elohim. It's God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Ghost. Translated it angels because they didn't have the guts to say what it said. Made him a little lower than God, but crowned him. Listen, crowned him with glory and honor. You made him to have dominion over the work of your hands and placed all things under his feet. How do you know that that's your feet? Because Romans 16 verse 22 says, the very God of peace will bruise Satan under your feet shortly. He's the head. We are the body of Christ. Somebody's got to be the foot. Marie volunteered. She said, I'm closer to the ground than some of you anyway. I knew it was going to be a competition between you and Shelly. Everybody's volunteering to bruise the devil's head. Okay. So, uh, verse 4, he rose from supper. Again, this is the Passover meal. After he's done the Passover meal, after he's done the Passover meal, the next thing he's going to do is he girded up, he, 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 he laid aside his garments and took a towel and wrapped it around his waist. And then he poured water into a basin and began to wash the disciples' feet. Now, picture that. Picture, I mean, they wear sandals back then, and they, and they walked through the desert, and it was dirty. And I get the idea that they probably didn't smell all that. Could I just be fair in saying that you know they stunk, stank, didn't smell good? But here is the creator of the universe coming by with a towel. And so, but again, this is a part of his purpose. He wiped them with a towel that he was girded in. Then he came to Simon Peter. Peter said, Lord, Lord, you're going to try and wash my feet? Jesus answered and said, what I'm doing right now you don't know, but you'll know afterwards. Peter said, you'll never wash my feet. Jesus said, if, if I wash you not, you have no part with me. Simon Peter said, then wash my hands, my feet, wash me completely. Jesus said, he that has washed needs nothing to wash other than his feet, and you are clean every bit. But what he's saying here, there's, there's a couple of messages in this. You know, one of the messages is, um, in this earth... You know, in John 15, he said, you're clean by the washing of the water by the word. He said, you're now clean through the words I've spoken unto you. I think it was John 15. And uh, so the, the washing of the, the word of God cleans you up every time you read it, every time you get into it. But what he's saying is, you're still coming in contact with the earth. You're still walking things out. And so as to keep your walk right. But the deeper message there is, he said, Peter, if you don't do this, you won't have any part of me because you need to know that I didn't come to be ministered to, but to minister and to serve. And you need to get this, Peter. You need to learn how to serve others. This is the message that I have for you, Peter. 
You need to learn how to serve others. And then, when you take this a little bit further, how many of you are waiting for the manifestation of the sons of God? And you're thinking about the gifts of the Spirit, word of wisdom, word of knowledge, gift of faith, healings, miracles, prophecy, discerning spirits, tongues, the interpretation of tongues. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But look what God, look what Jesus calls a manifestation of his glory. Verse 35. By this shall all men know that you are my disciples because of the way that you love one another. You honor one another. You prefer one another above yourself. You do all those things. He said, that's what, that's what the world is going to see, the way that the church loves one another. Will the gifts of the Spirit operate? Yeah, but I really believe that the fruit of the Spirit will operate along with it. Love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faithfulness. Those are the things. So lots of times we're saying, God, send your power. Saying, no, help us to love one another. Help us to overlook one another's, you know, Help us to overlook one another's shortcomings. And so that we can see that we all came from an irregular being. We all have flaws. But love, that's why he would say love never fails. Because love is where the real power is. The power, the, the, the power to overcome every situation in your life is love. And it seems so silly, but so does, so does defeating a devil by having a baby born in a barn. And it's like, what a crazy battle plan. What are you going to do? I'm going to send a kid. Let him grow up defenseless. What's he going to do then? He's going to grow in wisdom and stature and favor with God and favor with man. I'm going to have to hide him in Egypt. I'm going to have to tuck him away from time to time. And then he's got to find out who he is by the word of God. He increased in wisdom and stature. Come on, Luke 4.18. He found the place where it was written of him. If he could find the place where it was written of him, you can find the place where it's written of you. See, your purpose, you were deployed here for now. Now. Maybe you haven't experienced anything great yet. Get ready for a burning bush. No, you're going to encounter God. But this time, do it his way. If you've tried and failed, so did Moses. Moses said, surely I've been raised up to deliver this people, and he killed an Egyptian. How long would it take him to defeat the Egyptian army one at a time? God said, no, I want to display my glory over Egypt. I'm going to give them all an opportunity to repent in Egypt. I'm going to show them great signs and wonders and miracles. Matter of fact, when you read about them leaving Egypt, it says they went out a mixed multitude. Like there was some smart Egyptians there. <laughs> said, I'm getting on this bus, man. <laughs> Pharaoh's out to lunch. <laughs> Pharaoh's about to be fried and I'm leaving town. Amen. So stick with God. And know this, and know this 2 Corinthians 3.18, that you're, you know, where the spirit of the Lord is ruling, where there's liberty. He said, you're changed, metamorphosed, changed from one place to another into the image of God. And try him out. Test him on some things, because he's testing you. <laughs> no, 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 no. I like what, in Psalm 105, verse 37, I think it is, talking about Joseph. It says, until God's promises came, the word of God tried him. See, he wasn't trying faith. Faith was trying him. You're not trying the Bible. The Bible's trying you. 
You're not trying God on to see if he fits. <laughs> Could we just put that one last verse up again? Uh, Ephesians 3.12. As this is the most important thing you've heard today. That you can get as close to God as you want to. As close as you want to. Access. Boldness. There's no shame. No shame. Again, that's why all the religions of the world function. They fun- they, they're based on people's shame. They're based on people's guilty consciences. And so they rule them with that. They can control you if you have a guilty conscience. Religion can control you. Ch- churches, Christian churches control people with guilt and shame, but not God. Not the church, but church buildings, church assemblies. They hire and fire pastors and do all kinds of crazy stuff. I remember one time this guy was on a board and they wouldn't let the pastor go home for Christmas. And a little later, I was at a Tribe of Judah motorcycle event and I'm standing up in the top tier of this dirty O, if you don't know where it is, it's Olympic Gardens. I'm standing up there and I'm watching him pushing his way in to the bar. Pastor couldn't go home for Christmas. But he could go get drunk at a biker event. And yet, (laughs) here's the thing about God. Yet he could come in here, he'd come up to the front and everything's fine, right? Saul of Tarsus was a murderer of Christians. And he wrote two-thirds of the New Testament after that. Come on. Come on. They have wrote two-thirds of the New Testament. And it says he was a murderer. Read Acts chapter 8. The Bible says that he was a monster. That he went, he terrorized the Christian community from house to house. There's room at the front for you. We hope this message has encouraged you in your relationship with the Lord. For more information and ministry resources, we invite you to visit our website at www.newcovenantchurch.ca. We look forward to you joining us next time as we continue to live victoriously.